What are you doing this summer? Why not up your ad game by taking a class at Ad House Advertising School? Classes are taught by working ad pros live on Zoom, so you can take them from anywhere. You get 10 weeks of classes for just $799. You'll practice turning briefs into brilliance every week, and you'll meet some new friends along the way, including special A-list guests that can help you break into your dream agency. Ad House students have gotten jobs at some of the top agencies in the world, including Wyden and Kennedy, Mischief, BBDO, and McCann. Classes are first come, first serve. So register today at adhousenyc.com. That's adhousenyc.com. Ad House Advertising School. Classes for ad nerds, taught by ad nerds. Hello, ad nerds, and welcome to The A-List, the podcast that asks the world's top advertising professionals how they got started in the business. I'm your host, Tom Chrisman. I'm one of the ad nerds behind Ad House Advertising School, and I'm also a freelance creative at TomChrisman.net. Today, we'll head to the Great White North, and you'll hear my conversation with Dan Nelkin, a freelance creative who lives in Vancouver, Canada. Dan is the author of a fabulous new book called A Self-Help Guide for Copywriters. You can buy a copy and subscribe to his excellent free newsletter at nelkincreative.com, N-E-L-K-E-N, creative.com. I was surprised to hear that Dan started his career at 28 after he had had it with driving a forklift for a living. Eventually, he found himself at Chiat Day, Vancouver, and then he went off on his own. Now... He wants to help others find their confidence. This is a story about relentlessly doing what you love and keeping at it until you win. So let's head up north and listen in on my conversation with the very friendly Mr. Dan Nelkin. Hey, Dan Nelkin. Hi, Tom Chrisman. Nice to meet you in person. Nice I mean, to meet kind you. of in person. Yes, kind of. I, I've, you know, it's weird. I've been doing these podcasts uh, lately. This is the first one I've been on that I've listened to regularly. So it's, it's a very cool moment uh, for me. I, I listen to, I think, maybe everyone. And, and I ha- I'll say I've, I've learned a lot, so much from you and your guests. So th- this is a, a, yeah, it's a very cool moment for me. To oh, be wow. Podcast. Yeah. Well, that's a cool moment for me uh, and us. And we're, we're so excited that you're, uh, that you're here. Um, your book, uh, A Self-Help Guide for Copywriters, which I have a copy of right here, yeah. is so great. I, I like I, I, I oh, like when I'm working on stuff, I'll just pop it out and I'll just go to a random page and I'll just do an exercise. Oh. And it's so helpful. Uh, thank you for writing it. Wow. Well, well, thank you for saying that. I mean, it's. It's really surreal the experience with the book because I really kind of wrote it in a vacuum I met a couple people last night they were in town as a guy a strategist at Rethink and his fiance who works at another agency in Toronto and they said you know you're famous in Toronto right and uh, I mean I get messages every day from people in ad agencies all over the world and like I said I really I had no expectation it was as much like I wrote it for me 
I, yeah. I had no idea how it would resonate with other people, but Tom, oh man, you wouldn't believe it. I have, so on Monday, I was asked to speak at this webinar. 2,500 people signed up. Uh, so I was oh told, well, God. not everyone signs up. Uh, he says, not everyone shows up. He says like 20%. Sure. 1,300 right. people show up to hear me speak. Wow. Uh, and guess who did not show up? Who didn't show up? This guy. Oh, no. You forgot? Yes. No. But I love, so for this podcast, I got reminders through your system. Yeah. Oh, oh fuck. I, I was like, <laughs> so I was nervous about the thing, but looking forward to it. And I guess six weeks ago, because this was planned, like, you know, three months ago, I first started talking to this guy. Right. And uh, the date, the time had changed. And I had the old calendar invite. So I went to join it. And it was like, oh, the host is in a meeting. I was like, well, that's odd. And as it was getting closer to the time, uh, I, I started to panic a little. And he wasn't responding to my emails. And they, I was finally let in. I had sent him my slides because it was I was actually for strategists. And uh, I was right. going to present like the importance of writing with personality to strategists and breaking down that barrier uh, with clients early and getting away from acronyms and marketing buzzwords. And then we can get more conversational language into briefs and it'd be easier to get it into creative. I had sent him my slides. I had taken him through the slides, fortunately. So he ended up doing it on his own. But I guess my face appeared on this thing <laughs> near the end and people were like, Dan's here. He's alive. And we were worried about you. And my mic was <laughs> off. So I couldn't, I totally missed it. But yeah. So I have, <laughs> I was so glad when I saw, I was so worried about this, like that. I was like, yeah, it's me and I'm just going to miss it. Um, but yeah, I guess going back to the response to this book, I mean, I, I'm just floored. Uh, yeah. Next week I'm speaking at this, like, it's, it's hosted in, in the UK by a freelancer magazine in the UK and they do like a book club. Yeah. And she, so yeah, normally like 12 people kind of come and there's, I don't know, over a hundred, maybe 200 people on Tuesday next week. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know what I'm going to say, but it's like, it's, I just wrote it by myself. I'm in my son's room right now. And this thing is going nuts. Germany in next month an agency in Germany has asked me to speak like a, isn't it incredible? Of, Isn't wild. it incredible when when you do something and and I know what you mean, like you did it for yourself because I did this podcast basically yeah. for myself and for my friend Lauren, who at the time ran Ad House, and I I really just wanted to learn how to do a podcast, and I really just yeah. wanted to talk to all these awesome people that I, mostly that I knew, yeah. Uh, and it has blown up into this thing where I get to just. I call people and they go, yes, of course. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe it. Um, and it, it really is for me, but it also shows you that like th this industry is hungry for mentors and people that are willing to part with their knowledge and, and to, you know, sit and talk to somebody. And uh, there's just not enough people out no. there doing, doing this kind of stuff. Um, and I think no. Luke Sullivan's book is great. And, and, mm -hmm. but you know, a lot of this is probably in there too. And a lot of your, you know, his stuff is in here. Uh, but like people want to hear, you know, how people do things and, and they want to know the tips and tricks and all that stuff. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I, tr I tried to, I actually had, so I had an editor that I'd hired and I was worried that I had just written a worse version of Whipple. Yeah. And so I said, I need you to read his book as well. 
Right. Uh, and she wasn't like an ad nerd. So um, I, I was like, I need you to read it. And she said, no, it's not. There's similarities. I've obviously quoted him a lot, but that yeah. book was so influential in my career. And things did come up that I thought, oh, yeah, this is an original thought of mine. One was like in Luke Sullivan's book. It's like, say it straight, then say it great. Yeah. I thought that was my line. Uh, and I reread <laughs> his and was like, oh, geez. And that's why I needed to. I reread it, but I needed someone else to because I thought I was just going to pull the plug on the thing. Yeah. Um, but I think what makes it different is a couple things. Like one, I tried. I don't say to dumb it down, but I really did. It's like, I think a lot of these books will talk about a technique and like, that's enough, but there's no examples or breaking it down. And I was like, okay, why I've read this stuff. It resonated with me, but why didn't it stick? Why am I not applying it? And so yeah. I just tried to, and hopefully the next person who writes the next one takes what I did and, and breaks it down even further. Um, yeah. So yeah, it was it's cool. Great. I, especially I would say, you know, your point about mentorship, I realized, cause I started, you know, how we met, I started sharing content on, on LinkedIn. Yeah. And especially during COVID where everyone's working remote, the, the lack of mentorship was even greater. And I had people asking me and I was like, I don't have time to do for, for like everyone this, I'm just going to pour it into this content. And yeah. Uh, and then obviously I had, when I started sharing content, I had a really bad kind of first draft of this book. And so I was just refining it through yeah. LinkedIn. So I had a yeah. sense because it was resonating with people and I got on like someone like your radar. I'm like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, th- this is relevant to people and helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then I had an audience. And then by the time I released the book, uh, yeah, yeah, it turns out it does uh, help. That's which so- Yeah. I, it, mind-blowing yeah it's so great so so let's go back to to where you grew up and and how you found advertising and and uh, yes. you know it, it's such a way the reason i i do this podcast the reason i asked that question in particular is i don't know you know i kind of fell into this I, most people i've found fall into this business and they don't know about it until they're sort of almost half in it and then they go oh wait <laughs> this is a job i could do so yeah. how, how did your uh how did your revelation happen yeah, yeah. I mean, that that kind of sounds like my story. I think you know because I'm I'm familiar with a lot of your guest stories now. Um, I think where one one point where mine was a little different is that not only did I find it late, I think I found my creativity late. Like I know a lot of uh, great creatives had they wrote uh, when they were stories or loved to write or were artists and designed. Like I just didn't. My older brothers did um and i was just i didn't realize till later i just sponge it all up i was like the athlete and just thought it wasn't okay. my place i picked a different lane uh, but i grew yeah. up just outside of vancouver so have you been to vancouver i've been to vancouver canada yeah yes. yeah 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 vancouver, love it canada yes I, nice. I love a bloody caesar oh yeah nice that's my that's my favorite <laughs> my wife loves those too uh yeah yeah so i grew up in richmond that's where the airport is so you would have yeah. flown into there and um and my two older brothers, one was uh, my oldest was an actor and he had a video camera, like old school giant thing. And him and his buddies, he was in drama. And I used to just, I followed them around. And the other brother above me was a musician and he was, he was hilarious. And uh, I, I think growing up, it was kind of lawless. It was like chaos. We didn't have a lot of rules and structure. 
which I find as I think about this book, I'm just trying to control chaos of creativity and give a structure to it. Um, so yeah. I was exposed to, I think what shaped me, like, so there was no curfew, like we missed a lot of school. Um, but I think because of the like lawlessness, uh, my older brothers, I was exposed to things way early. I was up late watching SNL, um, watching Letterman, SCTV back in the day. Yeah. Um, all the great like Canadian comics that came out of there. Oh my God. I loved it. But I was, I was quiet and my brothers were so funny. I did barely talked at the dinner table. I had a younger brother and a younger sister. So I was in the middle and, uh, yeah, it wasn't until I think my brothers left the house where my mom was like my audience. And I realized I was funny and started to kind of come out of my my shell. But finding oh, wow. advertising, I never, you know, what was I was like, oh, I'll go into psych psychology. My dad's a shrink. My mom's a therapist. And uh, so that was it. And then I was like, nah, I went into radio broadcast. And it was the first week. So, you know, Chris Staples and Ian Grays, who founded Rethink Canada? Yeah, of course. Yes. They, or no, I know Rethink. I, don't, I, I didn't know yeah. their names, but yeah, I know Rethink. So they, they founded it. So at the time, they were at an agency called Palmer Jarvis, which is now DDB Vancouver. Uh, but uh, they came to present their reel of TV commercials. I was To, like, your, to your college class. University to my class. class. Yeah. I'd never heard of it. And I would probably been about 24 then. And then we had to write uh, radio spots for the school radio station. Once we got into the program, we had to produce them, do the voices. And I, I would say in all of my school, I barely, barely graduated high school. Um, and I was the only one of the five kids to graduate high school. Oh. Um, yeah, yeah. And so this was the first class, the copywriting class that I would say I loved. And the first class where a teacher noticed me and uh, saw something in me is I just felt seen and like uh, uh, I belonged. And so those two things, um, yeah. Chris and Ian presenting the real and me loving this, it still wasn't even though it was as clear as a sign as you'd get. I didn't pick up on it. And uh, <laughs> you're like, well, that was fun. But, you know, yeah. that's not a career. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I went to UBC, University of British Columbia to finish my psych degree. And I was, uh, I don't know, about close to finishing my fourth year because I had already done a few before that. And I just stopped. Yeah. I was like, uh, this is not for me. And uh, I've started driving a forklift and advertising kept coming up. And I went to like that agency, DDB, which was Palmer Jarvis. And I met with the creative team and uh, they, I created a portfolio the night before because I saw oh, this is what you need. It was a bunch of TV commercials for Head and Shoulders. <laughs> that was one of their brands, and they cut me off. Over like I was running them through these TV spots, and they were yeah. like, "No, no, no, no!" Uh, and they showed me an ad on the wall. It was for Burger King, and it was uh, "Fiery Fries" was the headline, and there was a French fry had been dipped in ketchup. It looked like a match. Uh, yeah, and uh, they were like, "That's an ad. That's what you need to do. You need a portfolio." So I went to, that led me to ad school. And so I was pretty green. Uh, so even at ad school, it was uh, Humber, Humber College in Toronto. It was the only one in Canada at the time for a copy. Humber. Okay. Humber, yeah. and, and what made you, you're driving the forklift at like a warehouse somewhere. And like, what made you call 
Palmer Jarvis, you were just like, oh, those guys with the radio spots. I keep thinking about that. And was yeah, it just on well, your mind? I, you know, I would have, they were bad, but I would have business ideas and I kept going, well, then you'd have to market these business ideas. So right. I think I had like a, some sort of entrepreneurial spirit. I still do. Yeah. Uh, and I just came to like, oh, I'm going to have to learn how to like market these ideas and maybe that's what I should do. And it all just kind of came together. Uh, and so I ended up going to Humber. Humber. It was a one year, one year program. Okay. And, uh, I, I was the only one of, I don't know, 60 students who did not get an internship from that uh, program. Really? So I went, I went, yes. Yes. Well, what do you that. think was the thing that uh, held you back? You know, I think it was because I, I was a late bloomer. I knew towards the end that I had got it. I knew from like the feedback from my peers and comparing my work to theirs that I was, I knew I was in, in the top of the group. And I think some of my like peers knew it. I feel like the, the profs and organized, the people who were organizing internships had already like sorted out who they wanted where and set right. you up with placements. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it just wasn't meant to be. Uh, there's probably other reasons. And so I went to, back to the forklift, which was, that was, that was tough too. But I, you yeah. know, I, I just knew, um, I knew I could do it. I had, I don't know why I had this confidence that I could do it. And so I would drive around. They actually put me on garbage duty, which you'd normally do for about four hours a week. I did it every day for three months. There was a union. So these guys punished me for leaving, like thinking I was better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I went back to uh, Fiery Fries, DDB there. And they sent me to an agency called Cassette. Said, we wish we had something for you. My book was good then. And Cassette took a chance on me. And I was on a week-to-week contract. So I quit my job at the forklift, took a 50% drive in the forklift there. I took a 50% yeah. pay cut. And every Friday, I didn't know if I'd come back on Monday. And uh, it was like that for about four months. But once, wow. I, got, once I got it, I, I mean, I just worked my arse off. and. Yeah. Yeah. That was, and then they gave, then they said, okay, uh, what was the point where they, where they said like, okay, uh, your week to week is over. We're going to give you a job. Well, there was a guy, I'm going to give him a shout out, David DeHaas, our director. And he had a partner that I sat by myself. I didn't have a partner for a while. And, uh, he would throw me briefs if you want to work on this. And it was the McDonald's brief Yeah, and they needed a TV spot within like it was just mcdonald's like for western canada and it was a 15 second spot it was like outdoor radio uh tv and whatever else was in it and so he gave me that brief and whenever he did that i went to town on it so i probably came up with i don't know i filled like three sketchbooks and so he he drew everything up his partners his ideas mine and the creative director came and took eight campaigns off the wall. Every single one was from my sketchbook. Uh, so wow. they ended up, that was my first TV spot. It was so successful. They sold. So it was for uh, potato wedge fries. They were back for a limited time at McDonald's. And they sold so many wedge fries. They pulled the campaign for the first time ever uh, because they had budgeted to buy a certain amount of potatoes from russet baker uh, potatoes or whatever that they had to pull the campaign so that was really it 
And uh, wow. I, I learned after that the CD met with that team and said, how was it working with Dan? They said, good, didn't give me the, that was it. But the art director, Dave, went back and said, by the way, Dan, I'd love to work with Dan. He was great. He did X, Y, and Z. And that is what got me uh, in permanently. That's amazing. And, yeah, crazy. So I was, I was a bit old. I would have been... 28 then i started a little late so yeah junior copywriter 28 you know making 35 uh, grand a year <laughs> something like that crazy yeah so that was it yeah that's how i got there um and you were you were happy you were in your place you knew where you oh, wanted to be for the first time in my life i'd say i i did you know and more than like being in advertising it's the same way i feel now with this book was i I accomplished something that was really hard and I knew it didn't even matter. I was like, I can do anything. Uh, yeah. And I kind of, I think I kind of lost that. And now with this book, I'm, I'm feeling that again, like, so just like energized and inspired by that and, and what's come of it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, when did you, when, so the book was something that was, was you, you know, your notes, kind of came together like you the, you would write these things for yourself that it started on linkedin is that is that what happened uh, you know it was maybe there was a buddy so i i well i kind of left like traditional advertising and agencies and stuff for about four years for six years i kind of had my own and then for four years i was like a creative director for this weird little animation studio and uh the, the one of the guys there who's a like crazy character he was the founder of this company we did a video for a company called udemy and they do like online courses yeah and so this guy did a course um created his own course and he did quite well and so i was like oh maybe i'll do that and that's where it started so i started to plant the seeds and i met with a cd at lululemon actually they wanted me to come in five years ago and i yeah. i couldn't come in I was, I was going away, but just over lunch, I had told him about my idea for a course and what I realized about writing headlines, what I had been doing all wrong, which made it like more difficult than it needed to be was X. And that was it. It was like, a just, I just threw it out. He was like, oh, that's interesting. Too bad. You can't work here. Two hours later, he said, yeah, sorry, you can't come in to work, but would you come in and teach that course to our writers? And I was like, I didn't have a course. Uh, it was just an idea for one. So that's yeah. where it started. I, I sent kind of a high estimate thinking, well, if he goes for this, uh, yeah. I'll do it. Yeah. And uh, he just said, can you sort out lunch? And I was like, oh, all right, sure, I guess. <laughs> and uh, uh, that's it. And I, I said, as part of the course, I'll, I'll create a little leave behind booklet for the writers. So I yeah. started on that. And that was it. And then this guy got canned. Uh, I never, I never collected a deposit. The thing just went away. And I was like, thank God, because I was not prepared. Plus, I'd never taught a course. <laughs> and I realized this booklet was a book. And so it was over, five, you know, four or five years. Yeah. I just kept, it just kept getting bigger and bigger. And so yeah. I will, I am working on a course uh, now, actually. That's um, great. But yeah, that, that's kind of how the book came about. and. I just kept, you know, I, I think I genuinely had insecurity about being a writer. Um, 
I didn't doubt my ability to concept and come up with ideas. But like I say in the book, I think, you know, th this industry has been trending so visual, more visual for a long time. It was easy to not write headlines. It, everything I thought of was visual. And then I'd figure yeah. out the line after. And I always got into kind of a panic when it came to writing headlines. I needed to be alone. I needed to usually do it at night. I couldn't do it at the agency. Yeah. And as I started to talk about this with like some of my more senior, you know, writing peers or CDs, they were like, yeah, I feel the same way. I was like, holy shit, really? Uh, yeah. And so I knew I was kind of on to something. If I could do it, it would be helpful to not just for not just juniors. So yeah. That's how it came together. And then I thought, yeah, I'll just start sharing. It was actually funny enough. I was listening to a lot of Gary Vaynerchuk. Uh -huh. And he, he said something like, if you're not posting on TikTok or LinkedIn, it's like not buying real estate in Manhattan in the 50s or something. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I'm sure like you were saying with this podcast, it just feels so good to create for yourself. And, yes. you know, it was like scary at first, but man, this is just so, so good. I, I, I love it. I still do it. And it helped me so much. I feel like so close to so many people on there, like genuine connections. It's yeah. just been awesome. I, as much as like, uh, I think the book is helpful. I think what I say to all creatives that I speak to now is like to make things for yourself and how important that is. Um, yeah. A lot of people think that that's like, like, you know, oh, we're already working so hard to do more is so difficult. Like, what do you say to those mm -hmm. people? I think there's a lot of things that we tell ourselves that you don't know until you start trying that I, what I've realized is I used to say that too. All of my creative energy goes into my work. Yeah. Um, but I realized there's this whole other like source that I hadn't tapped into. Like it's a different energy, like when it's for you and you, of course it's a little tough to get into the habit of doing it and you get over whatever's stopping you. Right. Um, but it is very different. It's easier for me to find that energy when I don't want to like concept on ads, which I still do. Um, this, I never was a morning person, but once I started to get into this and loved the book or I get up, I can get up sometimes if, if I, my eyes open at 4.30, I'm like excited because I can go right. create something and I can do it before work starts. And here's the other thing. It energizes you to do your work. It's like, it's like when you exercise in the morning, you're, you're just starting your day and doing something for you, even if you get less sleep. As I think a lot of creatives will say, oh, I'm a night owl, and then I don't get up earlier. A lot of times it's because we're not super productive at work. I think that's right. Making it a habit and not, not putting too much pressure on it. Because like a lot of people think, oh, I got to have a side hustle. So it's got to be a successful side hustle. It's got to be something that people are going to want to uh, read or watch or look at. But no, it doesn't have to be that. You can you can sketch, you can draw, you can, but mm -hmm. do something for yourself, other yeah. than I, the work. You know what's funny? I, I when I was looking, these were other signs that I knew I wasn't totally useless at this. Um, because when they said send your portfolios, they had they had assigned certain people to send their portfolios to other agencies, but I sent mine there anyway, even though they, they didn't pick me. And I was the only one to get callbacks at a couple of these agencies. Oh. One of them was Rethink. And in that interview, he said, what else do you write? It was Rob Terry, who's a fantastic writer. 
And I was like, oh, nothing. I don't write anything. Um, which, you know, I, I, I wish I had. It goes back to like um, me thinking uh, maybe he, he comes from that school where it's like, oh, you need to have been doing something or being an artist to, to fit in here. I was just yeah. so, so late to it. Um, but yeah, obviously it was important to him. And I think he obviously knows what, what that, how that fills you up. And yeah, I, I think we tell ourselves a lot of the time, like that we don't have time, but it's other things that are really stopping us. And I think for like good ad people, like the standard is so high, like for craft and we analyze everything. So to not have, have that, and then it's all on you. Um, it's hard, you know, and yeah. we're actually a, a very I'll say a judgmental bunch, but I don't mean that in a bad way, but we're judges and we have award shows and everything. It's, it's so it's hard to, okay, I might suck or to suck and share something and not get a reaction. But once you get over that, when it's like, it's for you, who cares? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and to your point, you can just be sketching. Stuff. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a, a hustle. No. It's, it's the habit of it and the going back to it over and over again. And the, yeah. uh, it's like exercise, I think. Well, it's, what it's I, very I, important. What I realized too is like, I think for way too long, you know, you'll say you don't know what you want to do. You're just waiting for like inspiration to strike. But I don't think that's like winning the idea lottery. I don't think it works that way. You know, I think you start and then the doors start to open. But like, I feel them now. I have ideas all the time, like for yeah. content, for books, for courses, because I do it every single day. Yes. Um, yeah. Like it, the answers start to come to you. They're not, they don't come to the people who are just overanalyzing and thinking, like, that's hard. You just got to somehow start doing stuff. Anything. Just do it. The more, the more yeah. songs you write, the more ads you write, the more sketches you make, the, the better mm -hmm. you'll be. Um, I yeah. play bass very badly, but every time I go back to play, I'm so much better. And it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's kind of, it's fun to watch yourself get better at something, uh, and, and, yeah. and feel that. Um, so you went from Cosette and you said you, you, it wasn't always ad agencies that you worked at. What's the difference between working at the animation studio and, uh, an in-house at a place or what, what are the different jobs you've had? Yeah. Well, I went different? from Cosette. So it all came finally, you know, the, the Chris and Ian from Rethink um, made me an offer. Oh. And I was at Cassette. So they had a thing. They were like, our worst work should still be better than Cassette's best work was kind of their thing. And so <laughs> I started to do decent work. And uh, so they made me an offer. But at the same time, uh, TBWA, which I day here in Vancouver, no longer mm -hmm. exists, made me an offer. And uh, I had said to both, well, at that time I was partnered with David DeHaas, the guy who, who like I owed. Stuck up for you. And, and Yeah. And I said, well, he has to come with me. So they both, they interviewed both of us and said, okay, we'll hire you both. And he ended up going to Rethink and I chose to go to Shaite uh, TBW. <laughs> I actually met Lee Clow. We started to win a bunch of awards and Lee Clow had come up to, uh, I don't know why, what was going on, but he came to have dinner with us. And it might've been an event that I don't think I went to, but I went to the dinner. I was, unfortunately, I was at the opposite side of him, but the only thing I remember about Lee Clow from that night was 
my partner had ordered his meal came and he said, it seemed to be quiet when he spoke. Oh yeah. There's always someone who orders the steak and lobster on the company's dime. And uh, that was, it. it was a little awkward moment. To, um, so yeah, I, I was there and that's where I started to, cause Cassette didn't really enter award shows. Did some work that I loved at Cassette and with some people I loved and then, uh, but started to win awards and kind of get noticed in that way at TBWA. Yeah. And, uh, I, I burnt out there. Like, I think people throw that out loosely. I, I was really, I was in, in a rough, rough place. So, uh, um, so I think that's also. And, shy at day and yeah. night is not just a, just a saying. It was, it was, the way, <laughs> it was the way there, huh? It was, you know, and as much as like, although I, I could blame whatever the advertising or the industry, I, I think a lot of it is, is on me and, uh, you know, how much I worked and maybe my own, uh, uh shortcomings maybe that led to that kind of burnout uh i i worked harder than i i probably needed to maybe why, it was why like, is that did you feel did you feel like because you were at cassette and you're you're weren't winning awards there because they didn't enter award shows did you feel like oh god i'm an imposter the imposter syndrome thing happening is that why you you were working so hard maybe i wasn't aware of i was just competitive um, right I think it was two things. It was like, one, I wanted to do great work. Like I was really motivated. I, I would not, I remember it'd be like the Super Bowl, and I would say no and work because I knew everyone's at a party and I'm making ads. Uh, so I, I, I would write like manifestos for the, the agency and I was just all in, um, which is not bad. Um, but I think what was also happening was probably like an insecurity. So I was overcompensating for that too. Right. I just couldn't let the work go ever. Uh, right. I just couldn't because either I, because uh, I was driven, well, I was driven by the stick and the carrot, I think at the same time. And yeah. uh, that, that was it. I, I was like just done. And so I stepped away and then I ended up doing some work for, it was like the big newspapers here. Those two, the two big newspapers were owned by the same company. And I mm. did a couple of freelance jobs for them. Did a TV spot. I ended up directing a TV spot for them and doing some other stuff. And then she sent me, the marketing director, an RFP. It was going to Rethink, Taxi, and I believe Cossette, three of the bigger agencies in town. And yeah. instead of, she just wanted feedback on the RFP. And I, instead, I responded to it formally over the weekend and assembled a freelance team in it. A week later, I signed a contract and I was like, uh, hired, hired some people. And for six years, uh, I, I ran that. I never wanted to build an agency, but it was this one client was enough. I did so much. I directed lots of TV, um, you know, got to like hire people, learn a bit about the business side, worked on some other like smaller clients. Um, but yeah, that was, so I did that for six years after I left. Wow. Yeah. You are entrepreneurial. Yeah. I think I, I'm going to lean into that now more with, with stuff like, a, yeah, I, I didn't, it just kind of happened. Like not, not a lot of my life has been intentional. You know, I've just been winging it and now I'm, I'm going to be more intentional. And now that I know myself a bit better, but that's that animation studio was, was a, a trip to a very different from advertising, yeah. but I think what yeah. both of what those brought you there was that after the the newspaper thing, the animation studio. Yeah, yeah, oh, okay, yeah, it was. 
I so that client was bought out by a bigger company, and then they okay. did go to one of the bigger agencies in Canada where they should have been the whole time. But the, um, so I was like just ready for something different. I was at a party and uh, talking to an animator, and I said, "Yeah, just ready for something different." Told him what I did. He sends my email to this guy. Oh, what a character this guy is! We could talk for an hour about him. Um, but this guy, he's kind of. Uh, I'd say on the spectrum, like Asperger's E. Right. He, he was a mechanical engineer. Uh, he taught himself how he was an editor for like a company for a while, probably taught himself, taught himself how to animate. And he made for a while, these like explainer videos were really popular, like through Silicon Valley. You know, this is right. kind of, there's an app for that era. Everyone had an app. He taught himself how to animate. He had kind of a, he was like a cartoon character. He had these buggy eyes and a cute little like Spanish uh, accent. And he made a, a, a demo video they were called for a company called Padmapper. And Alexis Ohanian was, you know, he's the founder of Reddit and married Serena, oh. Serena Williams. He was one of the founders. Miguel makes this video and he was not a good illustrator. So it was this like stick figure guy, Miguel's accent, sends it to him. This guy shares it on twitter and says he wasn't going to put it on his website and says hey this guy made whatever for me and he was very influential in silicon valley at the time he had like seventeen thousand followers ashton kutcher happened to be an investor he retweets this video so this guy who didn't even know what to charge for a video is flooded with uh calls he's got a business now i meet him right at this point oh my god so you know, Ashton Kutcher and Demi Moore at the time were together and they had a startup that was not a great idea. It didn't go anywhere, but um, made a video for them. We were getting, and so then he, he didn't have like a high business acumen. Mine wasn't that high, but it was higher than his. And so I was like, <laughs> how much are you charging? I'm like, no, man, we got to go 10 times that. We were so busy and it was startups popping over all over the world. And then Microsoft, Walmart, you name it. And there's, there's brands now like Hinge, that dating app, Hinge. Yeah. yeah. Two, two young guys. I met them. They're one of their buddies. Uh, he could do an Antonio Banderas impression. He did the voiceover like under a blanket and have a sound studio. That's worth, I don't know if it's a billion, but millions. And so a lot of guys we met in that time would sell in their apps to Twitter and Facebook. <laughs> and so it was, it was, we were so busy. I would have people uh just not even the sound of their voice or if they were too picky we wouldn't want to work with them it was fine we were working with animators all over the world the same voiceover artists that i was using um would do it with their home-based studios so i think what i got from that was you know bigger budgets in ad agencies but then just scrappy one level down was my own little studio one level below that was this animation studio I just got a sense for like, okay, you can do things scrappy. Yeah. Um, and so that's what I got there. Uh, I think it probably made me a better, better storyteller. I loved animation. It was just so fun and playful too. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was, that was that. Uh, and, and you and got to learn, the, you got to learn how to start that and how to, uh, how to, well, you, you taught him how to price it and that's great. Well, I would, it was everything. So he was like, uh, he said to me one day, he was like, oh, I'm going to start doing what you're doing. And I said, well, what's that? And he goes, well, 
you say this to clients and you meet them right away. And that's how you close all of these leads. And he was like quoting me. I said, how do you know this? He goes, oh, I've been reading your emails. Like he just didn't have, yeah, like he has emotional. Yeah. He, he told me no he empathy. Said, he was just like, no. uh, yeah. He, he told emails, me um, he uh, would have to say to his wife, uh, you know, I'm flirting with you now. Like she had no idea. He had to right. kind of tell her. Yeah, um, yeah. But he is a, a character and inspiring in, in his own uh, own way for sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was four years. And then after that, that business, it became uh, more competitive. There was like studios popping up in like Vietnam and India that were just right. driving. It just became hard. And neither of us were like business development guys. Uh and so that was it. I, I we were because you're talking about being partners and growing it in other ways, but uh, it just didn't happen. And so then I was that was a decade out of the ad world, and I ran into a couple guys that had just started an agency here. It's been Independent Agency of the Year in Canada two years in a row, one twenty three West. Um, they were two of the top creatives in Canada, and they were like, "Hey, do you want to come work here?" I was like, ah, "It's been a while." And uh, so, yeah, I, you know, I've just felt again, like a junior, but I had all this perspective and I just had all this yeah. enthusiasm. I felt like I was learning again, but for the second time I had some experience and I was slow and intimidated, but it came back and I developed like a love for it that I think I lost when I burnt out. Yeah. How, how was it different coming back? Like what, like with, what did you do differently? as a, a you, you call yourself a, a junior again, like what did you do differently that time that, that you knew not to do the last time? Was there? Well, one thing I, one thing was freelancing, you know, I just was protective of my time. So I would work really hard and then take a breath if I needed to. Um, I've always kind of, since I burnt out, I've always left space. So probably made less money, but been happier and had more space. And that led me to creating the book and whatever else I'm going to create now. Um, That was definitely one thing. I think I was just more aware and I had done a lot of work probably on myself. Um, So I could, the demands of an agency or that life at times. um, Well, I didn't have both things that I could deal with. I didn't have my own, like, uh, whatever I was dealing with. Right. It was like, a, this is kind of just to, like as a window into, into my, my, my brain. I was six months in at Cassette. No, no. It was about a year, a year and a half. And we did some stuff for Nintendo that was crazy. And uh, so it got some attention. This is what got me out of there, actually. The other agencies were like, who did that? Right. Uh, it was a, a recruiter from New York contacted me. And I still didn't have much of a portfolio. So I had this Nintendo stuff, I had that McDonald's spot, but I didn't have much. But I maybe had enough, I don't know. And he was like, he started talking to me about this big job at a big agency in New York. I didn't know which one. And he said, what are you thinking for salary? He said, I say we start at 90 grand. And I said, well, you know, I was, I was thinking more like 50 is what I said to him. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> he says, uh, tell you what, Dan, why don't you leave the negotiations to me? And uh, I said, we both laughed. And, uh, so uh, that, that was it. I never, I never said to my portfolio, not that I didn't want to, but uh, I knew my, I was probably realistically, you know, worth closer to 50 than 90 at that time. But uh, anyway, that, that was that's amazing. That was, that was uh, yeah. And, and you didn't, you didn't take the New York job. You didn't go to New York. No, I didn't. You know, I have, I have some regrets because obviously, you know, when I look at like your career, some of my friends' careers who, who stayed in it and, and moved up and a lot of the guests you had on, I know, or not going to rethink, for example, because I went, it's ended up being a very dysfunctional place. Um, I just, I feel like in some ways miss out on that mentorship. And I think that's what drives me to kind of be whatever kind of mentor I can be now. Um, yeah. Uh, that, you yeah, were your missed- own mentor and, uh, uh, and, and you had, uh, and now you're, now you're just writing it down, which is, which is kind of amazing. Yeah. Um, tell us some things from your book that, uh, okay. that, that maybe like you're hearing are, are hits. I think you. some of the, some of the people things that have maybe more experience, I think what they're realizing is the same thing I did that you don't realize what you know until then you see it and you're like, Oh yeah, I know that. I know that. Cause you can doubt yourself or every brief feels like the first. And it's like, you have no tricks and techniques and you're like, Oh, that's familiar. That's familiar. That's familiar. So that some of them are just saying, Hey, it's great even to read things. I, I didn't realize I knew um, mm-hmm. that I am a good writer. Uh, I think the structure I created, which Luke Sullivan I got it really from Luke Sullivan's book mm-hmm. when he does this. I haven't read the most recent edition, but in, in yeah, I, first I, I haven't few, either. I got to get it. Yeah. Yeah. He talks about, he gives some examples of uh, some headlines for a bourbon, I think it is. And they're all kind of in different buckets. Um, he didn't call them buckets. I did. So that's mm-hmm. the one thing I think is helping people. We're so hard on ourselves to come up with big ideas. And it's almost like that's what we focus on so much. We don't think about how we get there. Mm. And so it's at the bottom. You have to start somewhere really obvious on the surface and yep. dig down. And so that's what the buckets were. It's like, what are the first 20 thoughts or insights that come to mind from this brief? Like, yep. then you're going to dig into those areas. So the first one is nothing. But all our brain needs is something to go off. Yeah. And it's a, you know, you, it is a structure we all come up with ideas in this way. And so I think I just tried to like put it on paper. So whether it seems to be uh, resonating with people. So that's another thing, the buckets for sure. I keep getting a lot of positive feedback on that. Um, so what, what are you, what are you doing now? What's your, what are your plans? What's the, you're going to, you said you're going to make a course out of the book, uh, which yeah. is great. I can't wait to see that. Can't wait to promote well, I- that. I guess what, well, thank you. Um, I, what I've been focused on, even with the book, like I took a lot out. Um, I took things out that maybe were maybe me trying to sound too smart or too funny. Cause I think the driver was like helpful, being helpful. And so I thought, well, I could do one course, the whole book in course form, but I don't think that's most helpful. I think you just like overwhelmed with information. So I'm breaking it down. And the first course is going to be writing under pressure. Um, so that's like pressure of an audience, uh, pressure of time, 
um, or like an unreasonable request being put on the spot. Um, so they're just, some of the techniques are from the book, but a lot of them are not. And it's funny, man, I, I'm on a project. So I'm doing that course. Um, I don't know what's next. I think I'm going to lean into courses. I have so many ideas for books and things, but I'm still a working creative. Yeah. But from doing this work, I was on a project for an agency. I'm, I'm just like, I never felt this way before, but I'm so confident and good. And I just crushed it. Like, I know this stuff is helping like with those headlines. Yeah. And I remember those writers I've worked with or one in particular. And she used to just love headlines. And I had anxiety. I remember saying, oh, it's just so easy. I'm there. I'm there now. I'm like better than I've ever been. I was still good, but I didn't have the confidence. It was harder to get it out. And uh, yeah. so I know this stuff helps and it's helping me. It's not like I've been there and now I'm going to show you how it's like, I'm, I'm still learning and I'm, yeah. I'm getting so fast and I'm breaking down, like uh, analyzing headlines from all the brands that I love and breaking them into different areas. There's like a, Name it to tame it is something I've heard. It's about parenting and naming emotions, but I've been doing that. Like, it's just like, you know, what inspired the cards you guys created. It was like these yeah. six techniques, breaking it down. So I have maybe a thousand ads in a folder. And anytime I see new ads, I'm like, ah, if that goes into an area, I've already named it. I put it in. If it doesn't, yeah. if it's a new one, I name it. And it's allowing me to go like yeah, quicker and try things. And so I'm putting some of that into this course and uh, yeah, if it wasn't working for me, uh, yeah, uh, it wouldn't be a course, but I'm confident that it's going to help, help people. I know there's specific scenarios within my career where I felt that pressure either put on the spot in a meeting. Yeah. Oh, you're a writer. What's a clever way of saying X. Uh, I think that's stupid, you know, to any creative listening, like it's okay to say, Hey man, I wish creativity worked that way. But yeah. Uh, but uh, in the moment, you have we to do pay me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but we do feel the pressure, a lot of us, to like, oh, I should, because I'm a creative, but creativity isn't magic. And I think we need to stop thinking about it that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's part of what I cover too, is like what's going on in the brain in those moments when we're like, feel like we should. And then I just get into the techniques. That's yeah, awesome. that's awesome. And I love that you're, you're learning uh, and you're leaning into the fact that you're learning and then you're taking what you're learning and just letting us all see what you're learning. And I, and I have that same spirit. And when mm -hmm. I share things on LinkedIn and, and I don't share like you share, but like the idea of, and that's what I think the best way to use. A lot of people are like LinkedIn, how should I use it? What should I write? Should I write a book? Mm -hmm. Don't, don't, just d use it like you want to use it. Find, if yeah. you find something interesting and you think other people will think that's interesting, share it and say, I think this is interesting. You know, um, you don't have to like, I think so many people feel like they need to, from whole cloth, come up with a whole new <laughs> manifesto of, of ways to do things so that they will have mm -hmm. some um, importance in the world. And it's not about that. It's about oh. showing people that you're interested in learning like they are uh, and letting them look over your shoulder. Mm -hmm. um, and I, yeah. I thank you for, for doing that for all of us. It's, it's uh, awesome to look over your shoulder. Wow, man. Well, well, thank you. That means a lot coming from you. And I, I learned so much from you and man, you're top of the list. When I think of people who like 
just giving back and so much to like the ad community um as you oh, i, I think of I in north america honestly oh my <laughs> and uh actually i'll shout out vicky ross in the uk is amazing what she does for yes. writers there and everywhere and for me in this book and she's been like a champion for me but um yeah you're you're, you're top of my list for sure uh, people ask me i would say uh I told the guy yesterday, he was a guy who was visiting from Toronto, an agency guy, that I said, I'm on the A-list podcast tomorrow. He was like, holy <laughs> shit, Tom Crispin. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, that is, I will never get used to that, man. That's yeah. so cool. Yeah. Um, well, thank you for, for coming on. Is there, is there anything I, I didn't ask you? Any, any story you want to tell that, uh, you know, I've got time. I, I don't have anywhere to be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have, I mean, I feel like I have a, a, so much to say. Um, but really, I think the biggest thing is just creatives that I've, I've worked with are just so smart and so talented in advertising. And the standard is, is so high. That we spend all of our time building other brands and businesses. But I just encourage everyone to like, just do it for yourself. And uh, it can be hard to get started. But that's, that's kind of where, man, it's so awesome once you do it and you know it's for you to hear that feedback of someone who thinks you're a celebrity and i do and i get that all the time it's so cool i i saw a documentary so recently cool. these was about rock and roll i forget what it's called it's like from the van or something and it's all these rock stars about when they started touring it's from like acdc and u2 and ben harper i forget who it was i think he was in acdc he said what rock and roll is it's just you're on stage and you're playing music and you're like you know, I, I fucking exist here. I am. It's like, yeah, to the world. And that, I mean, I'm not obviously comparing myself to them, but when you get feedback, I just feel seen. I just feel like here I am. And, you know, for people to like, love you for who you are authentically is pretty cool. Um, yeah. That there is value in who you are. And yeah, I guess I just want to double down on how talented this industry is and just to encourage yeah. everyone to like, create for, more for themselves yeah and and put it out there and and show us you know and and uh get on tiktok and get on linkedin and and yeah. just shout to the world about you know what you believe in um Those, you don't have to obviously there's people who are yeah. introverts who yeah. don't like that stuff yes. but but if you do you will reap benefits from it it will not uh it will not be bad yeah there was a guy uh, I saw on LinkedIn, he's like marketing guy and he was sharing content, but he's always been a rapper since he was 13. So he just started to rap to beats, but marketing, I'll send it to you. It was like, Oh yeah. He did his first one two weeks ago. And he just wrote a couple of days ago talking about how it just blew up and he was so like vulnerable and he did another one and it's awesome. And I messaged him and said, I'm so proud of you. I'm, I'm going to share this. I just need to find the right way to do it. Uh, and I need some time. Um, but yeah, it was like unrelated to what he does every day, but it was a passion. It was like, he combined them and it's That's awesome. so cool. Yeah. Oh, you know what I want to tell people about is your newsletter. How do people oh, find yeah. your newsletter? Where, where do they sign up for your newsletter? Cause I, I love your newsletter. It oh. is, uh, it's like hearing from a, in fact, when it's in my mailbox, I read it and I go, it really feels like you're writing to me. So I almost oh. like have to look every time and go, wait, is this a letter? Is this a note from Dan? Is this <laughs> you know what I regret when you have people sign up, you can have another field where you can put in like Tom. So then I can insert your name. Hi, Tom. And it's not just right. a hi, Tom. 
it's other places. I would love to put it in within the oh, email right. where yeah. you wouldn't expect it, right? Tom? Yeah. Or like, I just feel like it would be more personal oh, that and would fun. Be interesting. Like, yeah. Don't you think, Tom? <laughs> yes. That's funny. Um, so, but people can go to nelkincreative.com, N E L K E N creative.com and sign up there or just follow me, connect on LinkedIn. And I, I respond to like everybody. Uh, almost wish I did sub dives as a Morris coming in, but uh, no, I love uh, hearing from people and learning from people and alongside yeah. people. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, nelkincreative.com and they'll sign up for your newsletter and then they'll get uh, every week. Is it every week? I do it every, every Monday. Every, every, Monday. every Monday. And what, what do you, what platform, you know, for those of us that are thinking about maybe writing things like that, what platform do you use for your newsletter? What, what do you do? It's Mailchimp. Mailchimp. So I'll, I'll say this: I've heard other other people started newsletters and they haven't gone well. I think what worked for me was, you know, like anything, you can have a product, but if you're not driving people there, uh, so LinkedIn was it. I think people get overwhelmed too with having to be on every platform. I think it's great to learn them, especially now we're asked to create into these things. But because yeah. I, I was like going into this new year, I was like, I'm going to go on Instagram and TikTok, but I'm, I'm not overwhelming myself. I'm just going with LinkedIn. And what, what that's, you build up an audience there. What happened was people were like, hey, I like your content, but I'm not always on LinkedIn. You should have a newsletter. So then I started tagging articles with, uh, hey, if you want to subscribe to the newsletter I don't have, uh, you can do it here. And I was like, if enough people subscribe, I'll do it. And pretty quickly, it got to like 500 people. And so I thought, okay, uh, I'll start doing that. And so it kind of evolved naturally. That's, that's what I mean about the doors opening. And I never wanted a newsletter. And that's the other thing about, you know, you think about any brief that comes across we find love for it, you know, like it doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. The joy is not necessarily from having the perfect thing to work on. It's having something to create into like anything. It yeah. comes from the doing and making like all of us in this industry, any, almost anything comes across. I don't think I've ever had a brief where I wasn't like, yeah, this is awesome. Like I yeah. can make something. And um, so, yeah, I would just say like, just do one platform. And then uh, you would build up I an like audience. I like that. Pick one newsletter. platform and, and make that your thing. I like that. I think LinkedIn, for example, I already, I don't even post on Instagram um, or Twitter very much, but I'm getting followers on those platforms too. Um, and, but LinkedIn, how many zillions of people are on there? I yeah. In the last three, three months, I've hardly posted, but a thousand, at least a thousand people every month are starting to follow me. And I'm not, wow. maybe the last, I'm not even, I didn't, I posted like three times the first six weeks and it was probably of the year, 2000 people had followed me. So, and that's from doing it after two years and the book comes out. So people say, are saying nice things about it and posting, Yep. but it does, it does add up. And for the hundredth time, I'm like, the creatives are just so talented that I think if you started doing something anywhere, um, not that it's all about that, but if you were, and LinkedIn for introverts, it's a good place. Like it is a good place. Posts, in-feed posts. And it's great too. People like still read. You don't, long copy. you don't have to write a lot. You can, you can just share your favorite things and be like, this is cool. Like 
Like that could be yes. your whole thing. Like just always, you just always say, this is cool. Yeah. And like, that yes. is enough. Like, totally. Just share, yeah. share, share. Um, and so, I, I love LinkedIn. I think it's the best, uh, the best platform yeah. because cool. everybody's a real person. Uh, you know who they are, where they are. Uh, I hate these other platforms. I don't, I can't believe that Twitter yeah. and Facebook and all those platforms don't cause you know they, they should they should you should have to have some identification of yourself and and to have anonymous mm -hmm. people out there is is insane yeah. um so i i think linkedin is the best for that reason yeah it's been um, but yeah so i was like i don't know how many it's like close to sixteen thousand people now and there's zillions of people there so well i could just go to however many and, and that's the, i i don't do it for 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 that yeah um I really don't. And everything I do, um, I try, even, even the book, I was trying to be authentic to myself. If there's certain structures like Twitter, Twitter threads and the arrow or on yeah, LinkedIn, yeah. people use that tease and then the hand, find oh, out how I did gosh. X with that. I, yeah. I will never, ever click <laughs> on, on that stuff. Yeah. So, but to your point about people, there's people on there who just show like great ads that they love. Yeah. And they connect with people. It shows potential clients or agencies, your sensibilities and tastes, and you can connect over ads you love. Yeah. And then you can get hired to create ads like the ones you love. Like it's, you just, put, it's, there's a response. It's an ad for yourself being on there and, and being sort of constantly seen doing something, you know, and mm -hmm. doing a, doing a, uh, a thing um, very consistently. And having the same sort of, it's like having your own TV show, you know, like suddenly you're just like, oh, you're always talking about advertising. I, I, if yeah. I ever need advertising stuff, I'm going to go to you. So, yeah. And um, you, yeah. But once you're on the path, you get ideas, like you don't get ideas when you're not making stuff. So I have, uh, I thought about because I didn't grow up in the ad agency and become like, I had an agency all of a sudden. So I called myself a creative director, but I didn't have anyone. This guy's ready. So, you know, maybe there's like insecurities around that. So what I'm doing now, I've got a list of questions. I've sent the first two out to creative directors. Uh, one in New York, one I know here, he's an ECD with a list of questions about the craft of creative direction. Cause I find, you know, they always say that creative directors get named that or in the position often because they're good creatives and then they're not prepared to be the best managers, how to give feedback, how to like, yeah. you go from buddy to boss and whatever all the things are, uh, how to, to lead bastard. buddy to boss, do, to bastard, buddy to <laughs> boss, to bastard. Yeah. I didn't get to do that. So I'm waiting to get these questions back from the first two creative directors. I'm going to start doing that every week. Uh, and then I have another series that is called Escape Artists. And these are creatives that are now doing things outside of uh, ad agencies. So it's like, I love it. I'm learning. I met with a designer recently asking him, like, he has this multi-million dollar like, company. He was a designer I work with. I was like, you're an idiot just like me. I'm like, how come you're doing that? What are you doing? I've, I've done some work for their brand. And uh, it's cool. Do you know what his response was? Like, what's the one thing I said? that separates you from like all the ad people I've worked with that have ideas and we don't take action. And he said, you know, what was, I needed that other person who didn't think like me. Uh, it was like, I would say it was more like the new business person or often we're like drawn to like 
minded people. He just needed someone to like say, play in that box, play in that. I need this from you. We're doing this. And he's obviously like, he's a smart guy, but yeah, he's a little wild, untamed, creative sure. and, and need, yeah. needed that. Yeah. So I'm the, the organization man, the organization woman yeah. that's going to be like, yeah, you know, lock your time yeah. off. We got to have this by Tuesday. And if we don't have it by Tuesday, then we're not getting it. That's the yeah. reason that the A-list podcast comes out every uh, fortnight or so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyways, I'm looking forward to like learning and sharing whatever comes from those two streams. They'll evolve. I'm only doing two of the creative director ones because I suspect it might be too much, the questions. And I might just send like you five questions and be like, which one do you think you'd offer the most value in answering uh, to yeah. other creatives? And then just go one question a week from a different creative director. So we'll see. Maybe it's not great, but I suspect it's going to be like helpful to creative and Is that going to be or... in your newsletter or in LinkedIn or both? I think I'll just go LinkedIn, but I will link from it. Uh, from the newsletter to it once I do right. it. So I'll be like, here's a short, try and keep it as short as possible. My thing on Monday. And then if you're interested, cause there's other people who are architects and whatever I know who subscribe. Um, so if you're interested in this, go here or that, I'll just probably link it. Eventually it'll be once a week. Um, both of those things, but I think it will take me a few months to get there, but um, we'll see. It's been super fun. I did a one on radio uh, last year, four months ago. I interviewed voiceover artists, production houses, like uh, copywriters to get tips on radio um, and uh, shared, shared that. So obviously it takes time to put them together when you're working and doing dad stuff, but man, I, it helps people, but it helps me more than anyone I, I'm learning and, and connecting. Like, man, I, yeah. I'm, I'm so honored to be on this. This is such a huge feather in my cap to be oh uh, my God. Uh, on I, your I'm podcast. So, I'm so glad to have you. And it was so inspiring to hear your story and and uh, and how you developed the book. And, and mm -hmm. I hope everybody goes to Amazon or wherever you get your book. Hopefully you go to a, can you do, is this only through Amazon or can you get it through like the local bookstore or any of that stuff? It's not in bookstores. You can go to anywhere online to get it. Anywhere you can online order, to get it. You can order it through a bookstore. You just need the ISBN number. Which ISBN is the, like, number. A self-help guide for copywriters by Dan Nelkin. A resource yeah. for writing headlines and building creative confidence. So yeah, I, I hope everybody goes and, and, and checks it out. And, uh, and thanks for coming on. Dude. Thank you so much. Um, I hope uh, I get to speak to you again. Really appreciate it. And, and a huge yeah. fan. Thank you, Tom. Dan Nelkin, like most Canadians is a very nice guy and his book really works. I had a freelance gig recently and had to write a bunch of headlines and I used his bucket method and I had 500 headlines in two hours. No lie. Oh, and Dan is coming out with an online course, too. You can find more information about that at nelkincreative.com. This has been The A-List, sponsored by Ad House Advertising School, where summer Zoom classes will be starting the week of June 13th, so get in there. You get 10 weeks for just $799, so classes fill up fast, and it's first come, first serve, so register early at adhousemyc.com. I'm Tom Chrisman. You can find me at tomchrisman.net. And on most social platforms, I'm Mongo Industries. Thanks for listening. 
And as always, thanks to Ross Hopman at Duotone Audio for this music. Bye.